Hello and welcome to this five-part mini-podcast series, Habits to Happiness, with myself, Mr. Turpod. My guest on this show is Kelsey Nicole, who, as you may know, is a behavioral specialist who offers positive psychology coaching both online and in person here in Da Nang, Vietnam. Sadly, for us remaining here, <laughs> well, for now at least, Kelsey will be leaving the country in the next few weeks. We sat down and recorded this mini podcast series together uh, late last week over Zoom, actually. Now, Kelsey is a truly inspirational member of this community. She is an absolute gem. Those were the words of Johan Falk at Denang 101, actually, last week when describing her. I couldn't agree more, Johan. She is an absolute gem indeed. Now, as well as being a highly intelligent lady, she is also really caring, really, really compassionate. Now, what I like about her is her directness. She calls a spade a spade. And I tell you what, she wouldn't be afraid to give you a good verbal kick up the arse, <laughs> which all of us need from time to time, myself included. <laughs> you will get from her, in her own words, unfiltered practical advice. I can tell you this. If you bothered actually listening to her, as opposed to perhaps wallowing in your own self-pity and misery, <laughs> which we all tend to do from time to time. Now, if you listen to her, your life may well improve insurmountably. I can tell you, I would certainly recommend her to anyone looking at making changes in their life. Take a look at her Habits to Happiness website. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Now, the current mood of the local community is one of the first topics we talk about in this episode, which then leads us into a broader discussion about habits, with Kelsey offering practical advice and ideas to people, including one of her own favourites, and mine for that matter, journaling, or <laughs> I like what she calls it, word vomiting. Listen, enjoy the podcast, and if you like it, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the to the podcast on whichever platform you listen to. It would really help if you shared it on your social media platforms to help more people during these turbulent times. Look after yourselves and look after everyone in the community. Remember, with Mr. Turpod, you are not alone. Kelsey Nicole, welcome to the podcast. Uh, it's really wonderful uh, to have you on the show and to speak to you today. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. I mean, I'm I love the Dork community and doing what I do in the Dork community. So I was really um, flattered that you asked me to to join you today. So I, I appreciate you having me on. Not a problem at all. Uh, as I just mentioned to you, uh, I spoke to Anna Louisa. A uh, life coach in Denang, who you know, uh, just a couple mm -hmm. of days ago. So I'll probably throw out some of the same questions that I asked her. No worries. You know, one of the things I'm very interested in in hearing your opinion on now is just generally the current mood of the community as you see it, uh, the circles of people that you move within, because you're very, you're very. Uh, active within the dork community uh within with the resilient dork so i'm sure you speak to a lot of people so i'm just wondering how how are people in general sure yeah so um well i think unfortunately it's a combination of um people's own ability to manage their emotional wellness and then also the environment the climate that we're in right now so 
um, especially for the expat community. There's a lot of uncertainty looming over everyone. And I think when many, especially since many already don't have very strong skills in maintaining their emotional and mental wellness, uncertainty leads to a lot of fear, which I, from what people are telling me, there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of, there's an increase in depressive episodes. And I myself, I mean, I, I, I use the tools that I, I preach about often, but yeah, like there's, my anxiety is pretty freaking high. <laughs> like, um, it, it just, it leads to a lot of uh, fear of the unknown, basically. And I think that's what the community is feeling as a whole. And you can kind of feel that in the air around you and how people are interacting so much that many people are leaving at this point, just because everything is so uncertain. And how are you managing your own anxiety levels? Yeah. So, um, I've actually done a lot of personal work on myself in the last five, like where I've actively been going very hard at it for four to five years now. So I'm, I'm quite lucky that, um, one, I'm I'm lucky and I'm grateful that I have the means to work while in lockdown. But I also already have kind of routines and regimens in place that help with my emotional wellness. So I'm very big on having a morning routine, very big on a bedtime routine, and very big on exercise. Um, exercise is like my number one factor for burning that excess energy because I am actually, even outside of pandemic times, um, I'm someone who struggles with anxiety regularly. So Exercise is like my number one go-to for helping to burn off that excess energy. But then also in my morning routine, I'm very big on doing um, some sort of breath work and a short meditation every morning. It helps me start my day feeling a bit more grounded and not so kind of um, already thinking about all the things I have to do in, in less of a panicked way. So I'm very, very big on that. Um, they, I would say those three things have probably been my biggest saviors when it comes to managing anxiety on a daily basis. And I believe I read in your, one of your, or your website, happiness to habits, you're very big into journaling. What does that look like for you? Yeah. So, um, it's habits to happiness, but you were very close. <laughs> um, <laughs> You said, ha I think you said happiness to habits. <laughs> Just flip it around a little bit. <laughs> I'm Irish. <laughs> um, no, it's okay. Uh, yeah. So, for the so, as you can see, actually, literally see in the title of my my website, habits to happiness. Um, it's all about forming habits for yourself. And another really, actually, really strong habit, which I didn't mention, but journaling. Um, journaling is fantastic. A lot of the times. When we're experiencing something uncomfortable, myself included, we form a judgment about it. And a, a lot of the time, our judgments are not so great. It's like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I, I should, you know, suck it up, buttercup, like get your stuff together. Don't be worrying about this. Don't be feeling this way. And that doesn't do, that does absolutely fuck all for us. Oh, pardon my French. I tend to swear a lot. Um, <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't do anything good for us. The fact of the matter is, is that as human beings, we experience emotions and emotions are not good or bad. They just are. And it's when we put a judgment on them that it makes it more difficult for us to actually work through those emotions in a healthy way and, and then overcome it and not be dragged down, dragged down by them at a later point. 
And one of the best ways to do this, to go through your emotions, and my favorite word is to just word vomit it all over paper. Just put it all on paper. There's a lot of research behind journaling and how we put pen to paper, the physical action of putting pen to paper and writing out what our current thoughts and our feelings are. Our, our, we cannot write as fast as we think. So just something as simple as just doing word vomit journaling, I know there's probably a nicer way of saying that, but um, doing something as simple as that has shown physical relief uh, for people. And it's a nice way to acknowledge and honor and respect your own thoughts and feelings, even if you cannot change the situation or change the overall outcome. Uh, you're preaching to the converted here, uh, Kelsey. I am huge. <laughs> yeah, seriously, I'm a huge fan of Julia Cameron in The Artist's Way calls it morning pages. I like your way. I like word vomit, to be honest with you. But yeah, I've been doing that every morning for yeah. about a year. Uh, and I've been journaling every night uh, for now nearly two years. Yeah, just just under two years. Wow. And what I find with it as well, it's fascinating to look back like six months ago in your journal and go, why did I give a shit about that thing that was going on in my life at that specific yeah. moment? So it, it's very good for you to sort of track your habits and track your emotions as well. Absolutely. That's actually the number one thing that I have my clients do. I find that we're not really good at identifying what our feelings are. So um, I'll have them do an exercise where whether it be like gratitude or checking in with an emotion and saying, I feel, and then a feeling word has to come after it. And I actually give them a feelings word chart because good, fine, okay are not acceptable feeling words. They have to be a bit more descriptive to say, you know, I feel exhausted or I feel satisfied or I feel excited um, are a little bit more descriptive of exactly identifying where you're at in your emotional state. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, when I, I've, I've had, I, I'm on and off with journaling because I know sometimes it can be very tiring to constantly be putting that onto paper. But I do think that if you're able to stop and do a mini check-in with yourself each day, even if it's, if it's just a simple statement of gratitude, you know, I feel grateful or I'm grateful for this because it makes me feel feeling word that can make all the difference in the world, even if you aren't doing a full word vomit onto paper. But I, I think that's incredible that you've been doing it every morning for about a year and every, every night for about two years. That's, that's one strong habit you got. I mean, any particular way how you got that implemented into your routine? Okay, well, I left rehab on August the 16th, 2019. And basically, okay. I, sat, I, I set out to completely reprogram my brain. I knew I was going to have to make wholesale changes in my life. And yeah. when I was at rehab, I read an excellent book uh, called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. And yes. It's an excellent book, really, really excellent. And basically, the day I got out of rehab, the day afterwards, I started getting up at 5 a.m. So my daily routine looked like, okay, 5 o'clock I wake up, uh, I meditate for half an hour, I do stretching for half an hour, I go for a walk for an hour, uh, and then I started writing. Uh, and then at nighttime, every night before I went to bed, it was 8.30 to 9, I would be writing as well. So I did that yeah. every single morning for four and a half months after I got a rehab. I always said, if anyone wanted to assassinate me, it was simple. 
At seven o'clock every morning in Shenzhen, I was standing outside Starbucks, my routine. But that's what I needed. I needed that set routine yeah. completely reprogram my brain. Um, so that's, that's yeah. how I went about it. Um, there's, there's a really, I think that's incredible. And I'm going to butcher this quote, and I can't remember who it's by, but someone said that in order to have freedom, we must at first restrict ourselves. So in or and I know that sounds really contradictory, right? But in order to have the freedom of the life that you want, right? You want to reprogram your brain so you don't feel like you are going for those old habits, right? You want to have the freedom where you can easily lean into healthier habits that are not around drugs and alcohol and that sort of thing, right? But so in order to have the freedom to do those things, or even if you say, I want to have the freedom to eat sugar whenever I want, we must at first restrict ourselves because if I just let myself eat sugar all day, every day, what's going to happen? I'm going to end up getting diabetes and then I'm never going to be able to have sugar and my freedom will be 100% restricted, right? So the idea that we restrict ourselves in the beginning in, and I, I don't like the word restriction, but where we're firm in setting, like, you know how you said for the first four months, you were very regimented and doing things in that routine. That's, I think, really, really, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? I think is incredibly important to know that like, when we start doing these things in a strict manner, it doesn't have to be that way forever, but that's what's really key for starting a long lasting habit. If we want to change those neural pathways to, to go on the air of that side versus old habits. I completely agree with what you're seeing there. And I was reading an excellent book recently. I am reading it. It's called the road less traveled by, I think Scott Peck and what he, how he refers to what you just described there is delaying gratification. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think a, a lot of people, uh, you know, especially like friends that I have a lot of friends who are entrepreneurs and things like that, they, it's a, a lesson to learn that like, you know, and this can work in many ways, whether it's a positive or a negative, but like, I'm going to do a little bit of this work now so that I have enjoyment later on. And I think it's important to learn the balance between being present, but also doing a little bit to enjoy something else later. I, and I, and, and for me, like, you know, I come from a Western, from the Western world and originally from the States. And I just really, I really didn't want to live that lifestyle where I busted my ass for so long and then I would retire and be able to in, enjoy things. I, I wanted to learn how can I enjoy my present moment and, and be where I was at and have joy out of that while also still being the so-called parent that I need where like, yeah, if I, if I don't want to be suffering from anxiety or slipping back into a depressive episode, because I also have um, depression at times, I need to be that parent that says like, okay, you need to get up and you need to do your meditation. You need to exer exercise once every other day, or you're going to, it's like delaying, not necessarily gratification, but um, it's a preventative measure on the opposite end of it. And I think many people don't realize that that's part of what being an adult is. <laughs> well, many people give up habits not long or new habits not long after starting them. Um, what are some of the yeah. common mistakes that you have noticed that people make when trying to develop new habits? Um, all or nothing is the biggest one. Yeah. So 
<laughs> so, okay, I know there's a saying, and I because I also read, you know, the the, the same book about habits um, by Duhigg and um, a couple other habit books and things like that. But one thing that I found in my own personal journey with my habits, because I used to do this, so I'll, I'll just speak on my own personal experience. I mean, but I see this with clients as well. Is that I would I would do all or nothing. I'd be like, okay. I'm going to work out for seven days in a row and this is what I'm going to do. And then I'd miss one day and then I would beat myself up about it and I would shame myself and I would be guilty. And then, you know, you, you catch more, what do they say? You catch more flies with honey than you do vinegar. Like no one wants to do anything once they're being punished about it. They, if you were, you know, in a more positive and kind of encouraging and supportive atmosphere. So I always give myself, I call them buffers, right? So the expectation is, is that I'm going to aim to work out all week. However, I know life gets in the way. I know that I have an off day. I'm not allowed to go more than I can miss two days, but by the third day, I'm expected to show up and exercise because if I don't, I start to significantly feel it in my body. So I think the next thing that I would say is most important besides, you know, allowing yourself to be human right this is the this is simply we're human beings and we're flawed and we, we can't do it there's no such thing as perfect as much as we all aim to try to be um there's the giving ourselves permission to be human so not going all the way and doing one or the other and then the other thing is understanding why it's important to you um it comes back to the emotions right if you attach a significant emotion to something you know, saying, Hey, I want to work out every day because I want to, I want to look fit. Isn't necessarily a strong emotion or connection to like, you know what, I'm going to start working out because it helps me manage my anxiety and I don't want to have any more anxiety attacks. And I want to prevent myself from slipping into a depressive episode. Like that was the reason for me. I mean, I'm, I used to work out sparingly and I was actually always intimidated by like the gym and fitness and things like that. But when I started to see how significant it was for my mood, I was going to be weaning myself off of an antidepressant, which I was in a good spot for. But I was, I was like, I'm going to make sure that I have my coping skills and my habits in place. So that's my safety net. If, if something goes wrong when I'm no longer on this medication, I want to make sure that I have this in my toolbox, not just something that I've tried and I know is there, but I want it to be a part of my lifestyle and a habit that's there so I don't have to rely on medication. And so that was my reasoning and I understood my why and I attached a lot of feelings to it. And I think sometimes people, right, because we're scared of emotions, we don't go that deep and attach the, the true meaning as to why we want to do things. Setting your intention is key, basically. Yeah, I mean it's it's also hard to set an intention intention based on you have to be you basically have to be self-aware, right? To know that in order to decide, hey, I want to do this because I'm sick of my own shit or I want to do this because I have this part of me that is um a weakness or a dark side or um something that doesn't feel good. Like it, not that it's your fault by any means, but you know, I have to acknowledge that I'm someone, unfortunately, I've had a lot of trauma in my background and, um, I depression, anxiety run in my family. Alcoholism also runs in my family. And, um, I had to acknowledge that like, 
I'm prone to this, whether I like it or not. I'm someone who is highly anxious and I am prone to pretty severe depressive episodes. And so no one wants to admit that. No one wants to be vulnerable and say, I've got these problems, but like you have to admit, you have to be aware of like where you're at. What are you working with in order to decide where you want to go? You have to understand that foundation. Yeah, it's when I was talking to Quinn Hanneman in a couple of episodes back, It uh, we really discussed the, the letting go of ego and letting go of pride um, in admitting yep. these issues. And I know for, for me, it was a huge, huge, huge barrier to admit that I had these problems. Uh, but it was absolutely key, as you just said. Nobody wants to yeah. admit it, but you're right. It, it's absolutely key. For you, do you think that once you did kind of acknowledge your get a little more self-aware but in like an outward acknowledgement of where you're at and the issues you were having that it made it a little bit easier to take steps towards the habits that you wanted to have oh it was fundamental absolutely vital uh and i have found it incredibly easy actually um just that huge shift in my, I don't know, something happened in my brain. Uh, it was, I, I think you would call it insight, but <laughs> something happened and I just, it just clicked. It just, everything yeah. just clicked and suddenly changed in my mind. And I realized that I knew that that's not the life I wanted. And yeah. for me, as I said in the first episode of Dr. Apod, it, it was simple. I had two options. It was change or suicide. So once you are down yeah. to that, you know, <laughs> changes yeah. quite simple. Yeah, well, I, I commend you because both of those things, right, coming down to suicide or change, both of both of them, I think, are terrifying. And obviously no one wants to die, but <clears throat> I, I know that there's a quote um, from someone's story I saw that they knew they didn't want to die, but they just didn't want to be living the life that they were living any longer mm. and although change can be very very terrifying and scary i think and it, it makes it difficult so I, I commend you that's i think that's incredible that's amazing thank you very much kelsey Okay, we're going to leave it there for today. I know a lot of us have the attention span of a goldfish these days, so I'm going to try and keep these episodes around the 25-minute mark. In my humble King of the Gingers opinion, podcasts are meant to be listened to while walking, so I encourage you to get your walking shoes on and get out pounding those pavements. I tell you what, it's great for the head. Salvatore Ambulando is a mantra I've shared with you many times. It is a Latin expression that loosely translates as, it is solved by walking. Now Nietzsche, smart lad that he was, he said that all truly great ideas are conceived while walking. (laughs) I guess I wasn't one of those smart ideas. Anyway, on the next episode, we will continue to delve into the topic of habits with a broader discussion on common mistakes people make when developing new habits, with Kelsey offering excellent advice for people. She really is a gem. 
As I said at the start of the episode, please like, comment, subscribe, and more importantly, share the podcast on your social media channels. Now, I apologize if the sound quality is not up to a professional standard. It's an area I really need to improve on, so if anyone has any suggestions or, or can help, you know, give me a shout. The song at the end is from a mate of mine, Mark Smith. Uh, Mark and I were in Hope Rehab in Thailand at the same time. I call him Marky Smythe. Now the song is KC is from his band MSP and the Move or the Mo, one of the two. Anyway, with Mr. Chairpod, you are not alone. Yeah, I'm good. Now they obscure the sun. 